Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Watchdogs. And welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. This is episode number 18, and I hope that you guys are enjoying these episodes as the number of episodes I've recorded continues to crawl. I'm hoping that number 200. I would love to see 200 episodes in the vault of the North American Waterfowler And I appreciate all the support that you guys have given me to this point. And the number one thing that you can do to help me is to just tell your buddies about this podcast. There's no real algorithm set um, with podcasts like there is on Instagram or YouTube. or So if you've got buddies who love to hunt, just tell them about the podcast. Share it. Share it on Facebook. Share it with your friends. Um, would love to see this thing grow. I'm happy with the growth to this point after 17 episodes, but I'm just going to keep churning them out. If there's topics you would like to hear me discuss to talk about, uh, email me, freelanceduckhunting at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram, at freelanceduckhunting. You can find me on Facebook. Find a way to get a hold of me and say, hey, I would love to hear a podcast about this. Pose a question, and I'll put it as question of the week, possibly, and, and make that the entire episode. So I want to hear more from you guys as to what content you want to hear on this podcast. Today, I am going to talk about waterfowl dogs, hunting dogs. And while I'm talking about that, I want to remind you guys, I've started a secondary podcast who I'm co-hosting with Chris Jobman, owner and operator of Flatlander Kennels. It's called the Flatlander Kennels Podcast with Chris Jobman. He is one of, if not the most acclaimed dog trainer in North America. And we've got two episodes out. We're doing bi-monthly 
Maybe we can step that up at some point and get a few more out. We've got two episodes out now, so check that out. The Flatlander Kills podcast with Chris Jobman. Really been enjoying those episodes. So busy. Lots of things going on. Lots of things going on. And I'm going to have on uh, my buddy Aiden in an upcoming episode. And I hope that you're going to enjoy that as we talk all about how he has progressed to a new waterfowl hunter, to a um, biologist who works on works for the state and works on creating waterfowl habitat. I'm really, really excited about that episode and where we're going to go with that. So today is all about hunting dogs and specifically my hunting dogs and the HRC because I've got an event coming up in actually one week from today where I'm taking Georgie to a HRC hunt test and it's going to be her very first finished test. So I'm going to be talking about the hunt test, HRC specifically, what is it? But I know when I got interested in wanting to start the HRC hunt tests or just hunt tests in general, I didn't know anything about it. Didn't know anything about it. Didn't know where to get the information. So this is just kind of a little 101 on hunt testing. If it's something you might want to get into. I'm also going to get into why I chose to get into the hunt test game and what it means to me. So let's get started now with the comment of the week. It's time for the comment of the week. This week's comment of the week comes from Bell Glade Sportsman. And Bell Glade says, excellent dog work. Good to see hunters who have their dogs trained right. I've been to lab dog trials, so I know the difference. Also enjoyed watching the interaction with the parents. You're a blessed man. Can't wait for duck season. So this comment came from a dove hunt where Georgie was certainly featured in the duck hunt. I mean, sorry, in the dove hunt. And so this was a comment to that video. And I thought it was very, very appropriate um, with the topic of today. And so I want to kind of speak to that a little bit. He said, I've been to lab trials and he knows the difference between dogs who are trained right and dogs that aren't trained right. And I will first say, if you have a dog and you've never been to a dog trial, that does not mean you don't have an excellent dog. That does not mean that your dog's not trained well. So I just want to give you kind of what my definition is of a good hunting dog or a at least a satisfactory hunting dog. Um, I would say that to be a good hunting dog, to be around, it's all about behavior control. It's all about discipline. If your dog is steady, that is the number one most important thing in the world is whether the dog is steady or not. And if the dog's not steady, then if you restrain it, whether it's a leash or I know they've got a, the quick release system, then that's absolutely fine. I think a dog can be considered a good hunting dog if he's on a quick release system. But if you are with a dog who breaks whenever it wants and runs around a muck, that's a difficult dog to be around. Now if, now, if you're one of those guys that has a dog like that, I hope I'm not stepping on your toes because I'm, I'm telling you right now, my very first dog was that dog. My very first dog was not steady. I have hunted with three levels of dogs, which I will get into. I've owned three levels of dogs. I've hunted with four levels of dogs, and I'll get into what I mean by that in a moment. But a dog who is not steady and who is misbehaved can make a hunt absolutely miserable. And so me personally, I consider a good hunting dog to be one that is steady and one that does not 
add negatively to the hunt. If your dog is steady or on a, on a quick release system or on a leash and doesn't bring negative emotions and negative behavior to a hunt, then it's fine. It's, it's a good dog. Um, if your dog is beyond that level to like the hunt test level where it can do long blinds, things of that nature, then that's an added bonus. And it's certainly nice added bonus, but I don't think dogs need to necessarily be to trial level or hunt test level in order to be considered a good hunting dog. They call these dogs meat dogs. Isabel, my lap, my second dog was a meat dog. And she was great. I loved every second of her. I remember saying at the end of her life, if I, if you could ask, push a button and she lives forever and I hunt with her forever as my, as my dog, I would have hit that button. I'm glad that I didn't because I will say that having a high powered dog like I do, like Georgie from Flatliner Kennels, there's a huge difference between the two. Georgie saved me birds that Izzy never would have gotten. But with that also, Izzy was way easier to hunt than George, than Georgie was way easier to hunt with and um I, the the older i get and the more dogs i hunt with i think one of the most important aspects of a dog is that it's easy to hunt with izzy was way easier to hunt with than georgie she did not have the desire now georgie's desire is fantastic i love it but it's it can be a handful it can be a handful so thank you for that question um, I want to go into just rolling with this topic and talk the history of my, of my hunting dogs. So my first hunting dog, my first waterfowl dog, I, I was married and I'd been married for about a year and my wife kept wanting a dog. And so I was just nosing around, um, within the newspaper and I saw half lab, half golden retriever, $15, just a accidental mutt litter. And I thought, you know what, just on a whim. I'm like, let's just go get that dog. I bet you that dog can hunt. And so my dad already had a dog. My dad had bought about a $1,500 dog, and this was in 1991. It was a pointing lab, and this dog had all of the pedigree that you would ever want in a dog. Just a machine of a dog. Um, and I had hunted with Duchess was my dad's dog's name. I had hunted with Duchess, and Duchess was a fantastic dog, and I just wanted a dog of my own, but I didn't have any money. So I went out and I got Georgie. I mean, I went out and I got Vera was her name. And my wife at the time named her. I always never liked the name. <laughs> got made fun of about the name. But Vera was her name. And I did absolutely zero training with this dog. At that time, I was really, you know, I, was, I, I wasn't as adamant about waterfowl hunting as I am now. I didn't hunt as much as I did now. I lived in this little apartment on the third story of my bedroom or third story of the building. And I just didn't train her whatsoever, but I took her out hunting with me and this dog, this dog's desire to retrieve was easily as strong as the dog I have now, Georgie. I mean, this dog just had unbelievable desire to retrieve fast little dog, just really very reminiscent of Georgie, but just from a mutt litter. And that, but her behavior while hunting was absolutely terrible just because she was not steady and I didn't have any kind of system of keeping her leashed. And so there was lots of times in her life where I would have ducks coming in, getting ready to finish. I'd pull up the shotgun and before I even shot, she was out there decoying it. And it was, 
it was misery to hunt with this dog. It really, really was misery to hunt with her. She just was an absolute pain in the butt. And she, she had no business being on hunts because of the way that she behaved because of my just didn't even try to train her at all. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking at the time. I have no idea. I look back and I was like, why did I not invest a little effort and knowledge? I had no idea about dog training, just zero. But why didn't I invest a little bit in a book or, you know, this was right at the beginning of the internet. So it's like, why did I allow myself to have such a train wreck of an animal? I loved her, but she was an absolute mess. She got cancer early and died at about the age nine. And then I got Izzy. Izzy was a $400 dog with, you know, she had some, her bloodlines had some really good dogs in it, but they were removed. So three, four parents back. She had some really good ancestry in her, but just not just a real, you know, regular level dog. Now Aiden's dog was $400 and Aiden's dog Stella is looking to be absolutely phenomenal. You can get some good dogs in that price range. You really can. But I think you just have a higher statistical chance to get a good dog in a better breeding um, litter, right? But you can get some fantastic $400 dogs. Now, when I got Izzy, I bought the water dog and I read the whole book and I was like, you know what? I'm going to, my goal for this dog is to be steady. And to bring everything back to hand. Because Vera would bring things to the bank, drop it on the bank. She wouldn't get, I mean, she was, I'm telling you, she was an absolute nightmare. Absolute nightmare. It was sad because she had all the talent in the world. Had I just trained her like I did Georgie, she had all the talent in the world. So Izzy, like I said, I was going to make her steady, bring it back everything to hand. So I formally trained her using the book, The, the Water Dog. And I took her to the force fetch, force fetch process which went really easy for, for, she went through that very quickly. I don't think I was doing it quite right. Cause it took me like six weeks to get through it with Georgie. And it took me just a few weeks to get through it with Izzy. So I must not have been doing it quite the, quite the right way. But I, I, and she met those goals. Now the colder it got for some reason, she would bring the bird to back to the bank and drop it. So the force fetch, I just didn't quite do it a good enough job with her on it or something. And I didn't use an e-collar. Or anything, but she was a delight to hunt with. If you've watched my YouTube channel, Freelance Duck Hunting, seasons like one through four, she was a main part of the videos. Just a slow, methodic dog with not hardly any prey drive. In fact, there was times where I felt like that she thought holding ducks in her mouth were disgusting. And for some reason, there was just something inside her deep down there that forced her to retrieve, but she never really, really loved doing it. But she was a great little meat dog. Easy to hunt with, never made a peep, almost never broke. She was just a fun, fun dog to work with. After Izzy, after Izzy died, which we've got a whole video of that, of her passing, which was gut-wrenching to make and to watch and to tend to post. But that's when I got Georgie from Flatlander Kennels. And Flatlander Kennels puts out at the top of the line dogs. I mean, you just can't get better bloodlines in north america than flatlander kennels and there are other kennels there's plenty of other kennels that put out great dogs plenty of other kennels but you're not going to get any better than the ones at flatlander and so georgie just is absolute balls to the wall little dog and 
when I got her, um, it was a promotional deal with Flatliner Kennels. So basically, you know, you give me a dog and I will promote you as much as I can throughout my videos and, and, and that type of thing. And so on this one, I'm like, I am going to seriously put a ton of effort into training this dog. And I had one thing happen that really opened my eyes because Izzy would sit, but she really wouldn't sit and stay very well. Um, I just, once I got her trained to be steady, I basically didn't train her anymore. So, and like with Georgie, her training is just a constant ongoing process. I was hunting one time with Titus from Mid Valley Mercenaries and we canoed into a place. We had an A-frame we needed to set up and Titus got out his dog stand and put it in the marsh. He got Rocky, his lab on there. And he said, sit. We walked 50 yards up off and worked on brushing and getting A-frame ready for like 30 minutes and Rocky didn't budge. None of my dogs I'd had at that point in time ever would have done that. And I know when I saw that, I was like, my next dog is going to do that and I am putting serious effort into my dog because I just never had a dog that was that obedient. And the difference between having a obedient dog when you're hunting with and a non-obedient dog I'm telling you, a, a disobedient dog, when you are hunting, can ruin your hunt. It can make you so stressed out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I remember a hunt with Vera and at this time I had never shot decoying Canada geese in my life. I'd shot a few, but never like sitting there in the decoys. They come floating down right into the decoys and you pan them. And my dad and I were laying in layout boats on the Kansas river. I mean, layout blinds on the bank of the river. And I used to do stuff with Vera like, Oh, she's one time because I always had I try was starting to try to leash her down. But sometimes if I had a tree, I could do it. I didn't have a stake. I was just haphazard about her in every single way. Every single way you can imagine. I was haphazard with that dog. And so uh, one time I, I sat I was a bucket squatter at the time. So I tied her to my bucket and in all my bucket was all my stuff was in there. Well, I didn't seem to think, well, OK, if you're going to do that. You better make sure and stay seated on your bucket because once you stand, <laughs> your bucket is no longer a point in which you should be tying this dog to. I stood up to shoot, shot a duck. Vera launched out, as always, drug my bucket with all of my equipment right into the water. <laughs> so on this particular occasion, my dad and I were on the Kansas River. We were in layout blinds along the side of the river. And I had uh, Vera tied to my layout blind and I had her tied to the part that was kind of like at my almost the the hood that goes behind me it was the type of blind where it didn't have doors but it had a hood that came from the back and covered the top of your head so when you came up to shoot you had to flip the hood up and then hop up to shoot which I hate those kind of blinds but that's what we had and so these geese came like I think three to five of them they came up over the trees on the other side of the river, just floating. Wings out, cupped up, just floating in the decoys. And I was so excited because I never had that happen before in my life. And it had been a bucket list thing to, to have happen. And I had never, never experienced that. 
And so I sat up. They came right in 20 yards, just ready to crush him. I sat up to shoot the bird, and Vera takes off. And she pulled that entire back hood over the top of my head as she was running forward. So imagine as I'm sitting up, this thing from behind me being pulled down over the top of my head and bending my whole torso forward. I cannot tell you how angry I was at this dog. When really it was me, it was my fault. As a dog trainer, a lot of the times, not all the times, but a lot of the times, especially in experienced amateurs, when you're mad at your dog, you should be mad at yourself. I should have been mad at myself. Oh, I actually forgot. Before that, before that, I had her tied to a willow tree back behind us on the bank. And we had ducks come in and she ripped one of those things out of the ground. And she came flying by us with this willow tree. She was on a leash, right? With tied to that, tied to that tree. She pulled it out of the sandy bank and she came flying by us with this six foot tall willow dragon behind her. So then I had her tied to me. Goose comes in. She takes off, ruins my whole shot. And I was so angry. I cannot even tell you how angry I was like unreasonably angry, but it was my fault. It was me. I'm the one that didn't train her to be steady. I'm the one that didn't put in the time that it took to get her actually as a good hunting dog. She was not a good hunting dog. She had desire. She had talent, but she was a disaster. And so, but with Georgie, I, I decided, um, after I saw Titus's dog sitting there so long, I'm like, I'm going to do everything I can to make this a good hunting dog. And when I picked her up, or when I was talking to Chris Jobman about the possibility of me receiving a dog and promoting Flatlander Kennels, one thing that he said to me, his concern was, he's like, well, what if you just don't do a good job training this dog and here you're on YouTube with this untrained, horrible dog and you're representing Flatlander Kennels. This was a concern of his. So in my mind at that moment, I was like, okay, I am going to be dedicated to putting in the time and the effort to make sure that I make Chris Jobman proud. That, that at the end of the day, it's like I, that Elliot Snyder guy, I'm glad, I, I'm glad that I gave him this dog. He has done a good job from this. I'm proud of the training he's done with this dog, right? And so that has been a major driving force for me in training this little dog. So when I got Georgie, it was on. I mean, I got um, attached to the retrievertrainer.com, which is Freddie King's site. And Freddie King is a, is a stud, man. What a great guy. I don't know if I'm going to have him on this podcast. I might, but I know we're going to have him on the Flatliner Kennels podcast with Chris Jobman. What a fantastic guy he is. And so and I followed it. They've got videos of Puppy from day one moving forward. And it's like, I follow the life of Teat, which I know he's got more updated dogs, but it's like the life of Teat. Here's Teat at week number one. Here's what we're doing, video. Here's Teat week two through four. Here's what we're doing. Follow this. And man, it's just unbelievable. And those of you that are not big dog guys or gals, which I say gals too, because man, I got my hand slapped by some lady on the internet because I said, for all you duck guys. And she's like, what about us duck gals and our duck girls? Are we not welcome? And I was like, man, what an idiot. There's a lot. Of, what an idiot I was. There's so many women in HRC, AKC. I mean, it's a when you get into this hunt test stuff, there's a way more women in that area 
than you see out hunting. I mean, they're a big part of it. You see quite a few of them. So it was just stupid on, ignorance on my part to say it that way. So duck guys and gals. But I would say to you guys that are new into, whether you have just house pets or working dogs, the number one thing, every person on the planet that owns a house dog should kennel, crate, train your dog. And not let them sleep out of that kennel until they're like eight, nine, ten months old, if not a year. Because uh, kennel crate training, oh man, it just does everything to build that dog's bathroom habits. And that you can put it away and it won't cry and whine and be a pest. It just sets the stage to a well-trained, well-behaved dog. It's, it's, and it goes all through that on the retrievertrainer.com. And I'm not affiliated with him. I don't work with Teddy at all, Freddie at all. So this is not a promotional thing. It's just his system is fantastic. His system his system's fantastic. And so I just started following it. And it's just been so rewarding to have a well-trained dog. And Georgie, I'm telling you, if she... If I treated her like I treated Vera, she'd be exactly the same as Vera because she's just, she's hard to handle regardless. She's just has so much drive and so much energy in the field that she's a lot of dog for me. And I've been very careful and very persistent with the training. So at some point I'm like, you know what? I, I decided that I want to get into the hunt test stuff because I wanted to prove to myself, probably to Chris Jobman too, but to myself that I did it. I did a good job at this, or at least a adequate job. I mean, or a good job for an amateur, right? So I decided to get Georgie into hunt tests. And so I started doing research about it and everything. Now, there are two main kind of hunt tests, HRC and AKC. HRC is the United Kennel Club Associated. Um, it's, it's associated with the United Kennel Club. And AKC, I've not even done those tests yet. I decided to start with the HRC. I don't know why, uh, but I had no idea what it was like, what was going on, what, what, I, what I would do. I had no idea of any of that. So I'm going to just lay it out for you as far as HRC, what it is, what you need to do. Because Georgie and I are running our very first finish test next Sunday. I'm so excited. Finished is the highest level. And then you have the grand. So let me just r run through these. On the HRC, you have started test. And if you pass the started test, you get five points. It takes four passes and started, and you get your started title. If you move up from started, that's like the beginner level, you go to seasoned. Seasoned is 10 points to pass each of them. You pass each one is 10 points. And then uh, you need 40 points to get a seasoned title. And with the seasoned title, you put an HR in front of their name, so hunting retriever. So Georgie's official HRC UKC name is FDH Georgie. So right now I have her seasoned title, so she is HR FDH Georgie, hunting retriever FDH Georgie. Finished is the higher level, so you'd be like beginner, middle, and um, or easy, medium, hard, basically. And finished, you get 15 points per test, and you need 100 points to get your title and finished. Only 60 of those points, or at least 60 of those points have to be finished. So if you have, um, you can't get to 100 points with 
80 of them being season to get your finished title. You have to have. So I, I have my season title. That's 40 points. So I'm at 40 points right now. Uh, and I did one weekend of, of starter, which I'll talk about in a second. And so I need 60 points for Georgia to get her finished title. And with the finished title, it's now HRCH. Hunting Retriever Champion FDH Georgia is what is what her title officially would be. Now, beyond that, there's the Grand, which runs twice a year. It's like the Super Bowl of the HRC hunt test world. And for the Grand, if you pass the Grand, you get 40 points. You need four Grand passes to get your GR, which would be Grand Champion. So they go from a hunting retriever champion to a grand champion. And then to get the Hall of Fame, you need four grand passes and a thousand points total. And then your dog is a Hall of Fame grand champion. So you've got started, season, which is hunting retriever, finished, which is hunting retriever champion, grand, which is grand champion, and then your Hall of Fame dog. And that's how the tiers go. Georgie's da- dad, uh, Flash from Flatliner Kennels, is not in the Hall of Fame yet, but will be. He will be a Hall of Fame dog. He's a he's a grand champion. He will be a Hall of Fame dog probably. Her mom is a grand champion, so she comes from great stock. And those grand events are very, very, very difficult. So what do you do at these actual events? At Started, and yeah, I ran one day of Started. Georgia passed that day. Now, when you go to a weekend event, it's on a Saturday and a Sunday. And so you have two days. So if I'm going to start it, I can pass on Saturday and that'd be five points. I can pass on Sunday and that'd be five points. That'd be 10 points on the weekend. If you get your 10 points on the weekend, that counts as a season to pass. So if you get your started title, or no, if you get, not not shot title, but you can use 10 points from started to towards seasoned. So then if you get your 10 points, you go into season and all you need is 30 points now to get your season title. They bother that in there but when i went to the started she passed it no problem but i didn't have my paperwork in correctly so the points didn't count i was just a little late in getting that stuff in so technically georgie really has 45 points but only 40 of them count so she's sitting at 40 points so in a started test on the saturday you arrive you get there first thing in the morning and you meet the judges like seven o'clock ish you check in uh, make sure your paperwork's whatever, all that, and you, and then you go to where your event is because at the same day you've got a started, seasoned, and finished test running in separate areas. So there's guys and dogs going all over the place. Sometimes if there's enough dogs, they'll have two season, they'll have two flights. It's called of season running, two flights of finished, so they can get all the dogs through in one day. So um, on the started, they decide you're going to run twice the day. You're going to do one land and one water. And it might be water first, land second. It might be land first, water second. You just don't know. And so you get there and you check in. You They give your dog a number, but you don't have to run your number in order. So if your dog won, you don't necessarily run first. You go to your event site. So if, it's, if you're starting on water, you go to their signs directing you to where you're supposed to go. And you get there. And there are two or three judges there and they have a little meeting and they just kind of tell you, here's what's expected. Here's what we're looking for. And they have, they talk about gun safety because in HRC you do shoot blank shells, but they still really care about gun safety a lot in this. And then you start checking your dogs in with, um, I can't remember the name of it, the hunt. I can't remember the name of it. There's a, a name for the person that 
it has a white board and you say, um, you know, FDH Georgie number six and he'll, she's third, she's third for now or whatever. And so you watch the board go and you just hang out, sitting in lawn chairs and watch all these dogs run. Now, when your dog is getting close, so there's a dog at the line, that's the dog that's actually running. And then there's a holding blind behind the dog. That's the on deck dog, the next dog. And then there's a second holding blind for the third dog or in baseball, it's called in the hole. So you have your dog on leash. You walk your dog to the third holding blind. You don't have to go to the third holding blind, but it's just nice to be there. And they've got it. It's, it's a holding blind. It's just a little U-shaped material and your dog sits in there. Then when the dog at the line finishes, the second up dog goes up. You move to the holding blind, the um, on-deck holding blind. And your dog is in there. And, they, and um, they're expected to be decently behaved. If they act just crazy, you can actually flunk for your dog acting a fool. If it's, in fact, uh, on Georgie's started test um, in the second part of the day, and which was the water, they told me, they asked me to move her back, and they said, you know, um, if you move up to season and finish, they'll flunk your dog for acting like that. I mean, Georgie was screaming, yelling, trying to jump over. She was acting nuts. Uh, I, I got that problem solved with a healing stick. Not that day, but in training, we simulated and we got the problem solved. She's never done that again, but she was acting crazy. So... Once the dog in front of you, it, it, you, once the dog in front of you is done, you come out of the holding blind with your dog on leash. You heal your dog up to the line, which is a black square mat, and you heal your dog there. Um, you tell them your dog number. If you have any questions for the judges, you can ask the questions. I normally say, "Am I am I okay to begin?" They say yes, and so you've got a bucket and you've got a black mat. You heal your dog on the black mat. You take the collar off, then. You insert one shell, one blank shell, which they've got a bag of blank shells and, a, and a, normally a Remington 870 sitting there, pump shotgun. You put in the shell. Um, you signal to the judges that you're ready. You blow your duck call. And out across the water or if it's land, just across the land, you call and they've got a bird thrower behind one of those holding blinds. And they've got, it's like a big slingshot. Shoots the bird up in the air. You shoot at the bird with your blank. Your dog has to be steady. If your dog takes off, fail. It's got to be a steady dog. Release your dog. This is normally only about a 40-yard forty yard retreat. Very easy. Dog goes and gets it. Brings it back. Has to retrieve to you in hand. So if the dog drops the, the, the bird on the bank, you're out. If the dog won't pick it up and bring it to you, you're out. You have, So the main thing that's important here is your dog being steady. Your dog bring it back to hand. Your dog healing to the line. So you got a single one, done with that. Put your bird in the bucket. Sit down, blow your call again. Another, sig another single bird comes from another thrower. One, two, that's it. That's all seasoned is. I'm sorry, that's all started is. One, two. So if your dog is, not, if your dog is steady and your dog will bring back to hand, no problem. So you've got the one in the morning. And then from then, you got to wait until the afternoon. So if you're in water in the morning, you're running land in the afternoon. It's exactly the same thing. Retrieve one, retrieve two. Two single retrieves. But they're looking for the steadiness and the hand part. Which, if you get into this dog hunting thing, uh, it's pretty dang... When you're there, you're like, oh, this is easy, this is easy. But getting a dog to the point where they're completely steady... They're around all these other dogs in this environment and behaving well, and they'll bring it to you to hand is hours of work. It's hours of training. 
when you're in it and you've got a dog like that, you lose sight of how hard it is to get a dog to, or how much, not hard, how much time it takes, investment on your part to get a dog to that point that they're steady and bringing it to hand. It's no small thing. So with Georgie, I did my one day and she did great. Absolutely no problem at all. Uh, she could have passed season at that time, but um, I just wanted her. Chris Jobman's like, you need to start out on started just to see what it's like. And a lot of the thing that's nice is like controlling your, it's, it makes you nervous being up there in front of all those people. You don't want your dog to make you look like a fool. And so just going through that started process is great. It, 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 for me, never doing it again. If you've never done the hunt test stuff, I definitely suggest going through started. Um, I don't think I will with my next dog. I'll probably go right into season just because I know the game. I feel like the started was more for me than it was for Georgie because she, she just crushed it. No problem. So this was actually last year in May, 2022 in May. She was already um, three years old at the time, and I had never gotten her into anything. So the next event, um, I decided, man, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to mess with my with my started title. It doesn't mean anything. I want to go right into seasoned. So we went up to Nebraska, and we and we entered in the season tests. And the season test is very similar to the started, except um, the two retrieves are no longer singles. Now they're doubles. So you walk up. All the procedure stuff is exactly the same. You blow your duck call this time, though. And winger, these are called wingers. Throw the, it's a real bird. Throw a real bird, real dead bird, up in the air. You shoot, hits, look over to the right, swing your gun. Hopefully your dog will follow with you. And the other winger throws out another bird, fake shot, boom. Now you've got a double. So it's exactly the same. And they're about the same level of difficulty, maybe a little bit harder as far as distance and everything. But the retrieves are about the same level of difficulty. It's just a double. So your dog takes care of those, but now you've got a blind. And a blind is when your dog has no idea where the bird is. You sit your dog down. Um, the words I use, I say dead bird. And that lets Georgie know this is going to be a dead bird. And then, which I've just incorporated recently um, with my buddy's advice. But I say, look. I get her lined up. I make sure she's looking in the right direction. I say the word back instead of Georgie. So when it's a, when she retrieves, it's a regular mark. It's Georgie. If it's a if we're talking a dead bird, it's back. She goes supposed to go straight to that dead bird where you it is, and it's marked by a pole with orange because dogs can't see orange. The bumpers are orange, so they can't see any of that. If your dog's getting off, you have trained them to the whistle, so hit the whistle. The dog sits or in the water, turns around and looks at you and treads water, and you give it a hand signal to redirect it back to where it go, goes. And as long as it's going in forward progress and gets that, it's normally about 50 yards. I had one that was, geez, that was like 30 yards. It was ridiculous. It was so easy. But they're normally about 40 to 50 yards, sometimes even less than that. They bring it back, and you're good. Now, if your dog gives what's called a refusal, meaning, so if I want George to go to the right, I move my hand to the right, left, to the left. If I tell her to go to the left and she goes back, or if she goes out the direction, that's a refusal. And with a few refusals, that dog will flunk. So that's the season. The one other thing they added to the season is what's called a walk-up. It kind of simulates a flushing bird. So either one day, one time during the day, it's either going to be water or land. You walk with your dog at heel with the shotgun. They throw a bird up. You shoot at it. It's very close. And 
it's got a winger sitting there. So it wings up, it's close to you. Your dog has to stay steady at heel and then you and then you let the dog go. And then also there is a diversion bird on on one of them, typically in the water, where um, on the second mark or on the blind, as the dog's coming back, they throw a bird into the water and make sure that the dog doesn't leave what it's doing to come to you and go to the other bird. It's called a diversion. So that is seasoned. And you do that again. You have a Saturday and a Sunday. So for seasoned, we went to Nebraska. We got our 10 points in the morning on water. And then in the afternoon, it was on land. And Georgie crushed those, no problem. So after that, she was up to 20 points. If you include the started, she was at 25. And at that point, I didn't have another test lined up. And I'm like, man, I'm only two tests away from this title. And Georgie, in, in everything she had done, and her first test on started and her two on season, she had not even close to faltering. She was absolutely perfect. On both states, and I like. I want to knock this season title out this summer because if things keep going well, I want to move her into finished next year. It was is the goal, which is this year, this summer, next Sunday, day one. So we went up to South Dakota, and the disappointing thing about South Dakota was it was too easy. I felt it was too easy to where it wasn't even challenging. Um, but it was the it was the same thing. We got our ten points on Saturday, ten points on Sunday. And so coming out of South Dakota, we had our 40 points. She has her season title. So it's HRFDH Georgie. And I spent quite a bit of time watching the finish tests, especially in South Dakota, watched the, the test. And I felt as though Georgie would have had a good chance at passing those tests. Now with the finished, here's the difference with the finished. Number one, everything's farther away. So the marks, I think they can go up to like 120 yards. Where in seasoned, gosh, I can't remember how long they're, they're allowed to take it out to, but it's not near as far. So, but now it's not a double, it's a triple. So it's bird one, boom, bird two, boom, bird three, boom. They've got to do a triple and they're farther. And then the blind is farther. Everything else is the same. So it's quite a bit harder, the finish than the seasoned is. I felt with the seasoned, the main thing they're looking for is, is your dog under control? Sitting, bird to hand, and especially on the blinds, steady. But on the blinds, when you whistled, does it sit properly? Does it take in your hand directions? They're watching for control big time. And so, like I said, that so that what is that's started, seasoned, finished. The grand I've talked to. In fact, we've got an episode coming out where Chris Jobman and on the Flatliner podcast, Chris Jobman. And Chris Aiken talk all about the Grand. And it, it was pretty interesting to hear. I've never been there, so um, I'm not sure of the specifics. I, I, I'm, it, I'm pretty sure it's the same setup as finished, except much, much harder. And then you've got to do, go five days in a row instead of two. And you've got to pass every day of the five. So it's significantly harder. And they do things trying to mess the dogs up. I know at the Grand, it's like... 20, 25, 30% of the dogs pass, something like that. So most people do not pass the grand when they're at it. Now, I never, once I started doing this, and I feel like if I stopped right now, I would feel justified of like, okay, Chris thinks I've done a good job. I feel, I feel happy with where Georgie's at and where she's done. But I fell in love with it a lot more than I expected to. 
I didn't know. I was talking to my dad last year. I was like, you know, I'll probably get the finish title and then just quit. But this, as we're approaching this year and going into finished, which I promise you Georgie will get her finished title. I don't know how many times she'll pass or fail. Right now, she's five days out of five days, hasn't flunked anything. Um, I'm sure that she'll flunk some finish tests. I'm sure she will. She won't be perfect in that. But I don't know how many. Right now, I've got the one next Sunday, and then I've got another one at the end of May. So if she passes both those, we'll be halfway there. And But I'm just going one day on both of those. So I'm going to Sunday, next Sunday, and then um, mid-May, we're doing one Sunday because I just can't make it to both days. So she'll, if she can pass both those, she'll be halfway there to her title. So, But I don't know. I don't know how she'll do. I've been working with some really high-level amateurs. One guy named Ed's got a technical pond, which a technical pond is made specifically for training these kind of dogs. Um, look it up if you want to see what they see what they look like. And he's got the wingers and he's got all that. So I've been working with those guys, and I definitely see some some holes, some gaps in Georgie's game that we've got to improve on. But so I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. But I will say, as we approach this spring, I'm really, really excited. It's really, really fun. If you have a hunting dog and you experience off-season blues, this is a great way to fight duck depression, let me tell you, because you're hanging out with hunters. you got to wear camo during it. You're hanging out with hunters. You're seeing all these dogs. You're networking. You're talking to people. You're traveling little fun weekends. It's a blast, man. It's so much fun. It really is. It's really so much fun. So if you're a, if you're a dog guy and you've only had a meat dog, you're getting a puppy or, you know, give it a try, man. Give it, give it a shot. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Oh, I feel very certain that Georgie will be a hunting retriever champion. And barring some kind of crazy injury, she's going to be a hunting retriever champion. If she doesn't get it this summer, we'll go, we'll go for it next. I think she'll have it by the end of the summer. I really do. She's a special little dog. I see what gaps she has in her retrieving, in her hunt test stuff. I've got... Really high-level amateurs, they're coaching me and training me on it because there's all these sorts of nuances as to um, when to blow the whistle on your dog and, and, and just all sorts of nuances that I'm learning. So it just brings me so much joy. It really, really does. And when you have that little dog of yours and people are impressed by your dog, just the fact that your dog will sit and stay. Right now, Georgie's the point where if I'm at a, a hunt test practice with my buddies, and I can tell Georgie to sit, and she'll just sit indefinitely. All the dogs will out there. And I can walk away, walk around the pond, and Georgie's not going anywhere. Having a dog that's trained to that level, those of you that have a dog trained to that level, you know, makes you feel good. Makes you feel good to be able to control a dog. Because when you have a dog you can't control, it's awful. It feels awful. So there's so much, so much enjoyment um, about this, about this stuff. So I hope that I hit it all. If you have any questions, hit me up, and I will. I can make it a comment of the week. Um, anything that I didn't address, didn't hit. I have not been to an AKC test. I probably will do so, which they're titled different. It's kind of the same, kind of different, though. The HRC versus the AKC. I think that's the American Kennel Club, I believe. And I will probably jump into AKC once Georgia gets her title, just because I'm loving it, man. It's so much fun. But if you have any questions, anything you don't feel like I hit on, Mistakes you heard me make that you'd like to to correct, hit me up. 
Let's talk about it. Well, this has been another episode of the North American Waterfowler. Keep tuning in. Tell your buddies. Come join us at patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting for a chance to come on the podcast with me and to hunt with me. Until next time. Thank you.